You are listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break, episode number 44. Hey guys, I hope you're doing well. It's been another busy week here at the Free the Bird studio and, you know, we've been doing so much. At the moment, we are doing a live workshop today. Um, if you're listening in real time, which is really cool. And if you want to find that and find the replay, it's just on my website, jialong.co. I'm always nervous when I do something live, so I'm going to go live really soon. And I think we have two and a half thousand people tuning in. I'm not sure how many people actually tune in live because people from all around the world, there's different time um, zones and things like that. But I'm always a little bit nervous. Um, I don't know if you've ever done anything live before on you know live TV or even through IGTV or things like that. But yeah, it can be really daunting. It took me a little while stepping out of my comfort zone to get comfortable to be able to teach in front of the camera. I still find it really strange. So today I've actually got another educator, another wedding photographer educator joining us, Sam Hurd. He has his own podcast and it's called The Epic Podcast and he's is also an amazing wedding photographer. So if you haven't checked him out, you should definitely check him out. His Instagram is I am the Sam. I'm pretty sure. I'm just quickly checking on my phone. I'm pretty sure it's I am the Sam. So if you wanted to share this podcast and tag him and myself, my Instagram is jialong.co and um, get into our DMs and say hi. And if anything resonated with you, definitely do so. But other than that, there's not too much to intro into this episode because it is absolutely full of great stuff. We're talking about education, online education, educators. We're talking about sustainable business and how to, um, you know, create a business that's sustainable for the long term and playing the long game and also talking about ethics in business. So it's a really good episode, tons of good stuff and let's get in and have a chat. Hey, so we got Sam Hurd finally on the podcast today. And funny enough, I actually haven't known Sam for a long time, uh, which is weird because we have so many mutual friends. And Sam has been around for a very long time, back in the Flickr days and, you know, moving around with a lot of the photography giants. So it's really cool to have Sam here on the podcast. And today, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about education, um, online education, because I know it's kind of blowing up at the moment and there's so many things happening in the world of education, especially photography education. Um, I want to talk about sustainable business and ethics in business. So these are all things. The reason why I want to get Sam on here to talk to all my listeners, because when I look out at other education edu- educators around the world, um, there's not that many that kind of speak out to me that they're doing a great thing for their people and Sam is one of those people that you can truly see that he's passionate about what he does and he brings value to his people and um, it's something that I really respect I love seeing I love seeing that in an educator you know it's not all about how to make money and fame and all the rest of it it's it's like how like those things can be a result of getting people real results um, and and helping them in their journey so hey Sam thanks for joining me man hey Thanks. Thanks for that lovely introduction. That was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you have a podcast yourself, the Epic Podcast. Yeah, Epic Podcast. I was trying to look up just now uh, how long we've been doing it. It's my one of my best friends, um, who's also a professional wedding photographer. Uh, we actually started wedding photography at the same time, but uh, knew each other in college. So, you know, we started a band together, all this. His name is Nathan Mitchell. He's the other half of, of my podcast. We don't do interviews with other people. It's just mm-hmm. he and I talking, uh, oftentimes about photography, but whatever is going on in our lives, honestly. And uh, yeah, we've known our podcast, I think since 2016. So it's been... Wow. But we have zero like consistency to our release schedule. It is just whenever we feel like it, like, hey, man, you want a podcast? Sure. Sometimes that's, you know, once a week. Sometimes that's every few months. <laughs> so we have a very inconsistent release schedule. But yeah, I think we're up to episode 77 now. That's cool. So you just keep everyone on the edge and um, and dropping little bonuses every now and then. Yeah, I think it's fun. You know, a lot of podcasts <laughs> are really good about staying consistent. We just have uh, a different vibe uh, about us and our workflow, and we we try never to force too um, too much the the content. Like we wait until sort of we have a purpose and a reason to sit down and talk instead of like 
Oh, well, it's a, it's a new week. What are we going to talk about? Well, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? It's just like, it, you know, we, we wait until it's like, oh my gosh, this thing is happening. The Canon R5 has just been announced. We have to podcast about this. We kind of wait until stuff surfaces uh, to, to in front of either him or myself before we yeah jump on and start talking. So anyway, it's worked out so far <laughs> pretty well. It's such a great way to put out content. There's, there is so many different ways to put out content. And I would say that falls underneath like more so the pillar content where it's like it's relatable and relevant at the time when you're putting it out and it's um, it's less quantity and more impactful. And I think that's really good. Something that I definitely need to learn a lot more. Um, but I also need to learn more quantity. So when I started my podcast nine months ago, I made a, a pact with myself that I'm going to do a weekly podcast for a year. And no matter if there's no listeners, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to educate and do what I can. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, that, that I mean, everybody has kind of different workflows and, and ways of thinking. For me, um, I don't think I've ever set uh, but one goal in my entire life, mm-hmm. which it sounds kind of crazy because uh, I've had kind of a, a good long running career so far. But like <laughs> a tangible goal where I like sat down and wrote it down. This is what I want to achieve. I've only ever done that once in my life. Did you achieve it? it? Um, I did. I did. And it was one of the best feelings. I, and, you know, I remember the exact moment I achieved it. It was the day I arrived. I was walking into my hotel room after like a 20 something hour journey to India. I was there to speak at a conference alongside, I don't know, seven or eight other not wedding photographers. There were a lot of other photographers from uh, like Nat Geo and like Joe McNally and like all these other genres. Anyway, I was there to speak at this conference called Silk. I walked into my hotel room. Uh, very hungry, very tired, and I checked my 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 Patreon uh, subscribers, and I reached 1,000 patrons. That was the only goal I'd ever set. Was I don't have any time limit, I don't have any set schedule. I just know I want to reach 1,000 patrons, and everything sort of uh, that I put into my Patreon, which is essentially all of my online education, which we can talk about in more detail later, but all of it's under my Patreon sort of umbrella. Um, everything was structured around this one goal and mindset. So, and, it, and I did it. And so after achieving that, I was like, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> I just keep posting stuff randomly there, but I have no real uh, direction. Uh, anyway, it's, but it's, it's been good. It's been fun. That was probably almost two years ago now, something like that. I, I think there's a lot to be said about having a goal without a time limit because so many people put time limits on things, but if you just have that goal and you keep pushing and pushing, like you're going to get there. That's the thing. Hey, can I tell you um, a quick little story? Only because right now I've, I've only really had one goal for the last like 10 years uh, it's a bit of a silly goal, but um, I earned, I hit it yesterday. What? So, That's amazing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. I know. It is amazing. <laughs> um, really relevant. So, um, when I grew up, like around my neighborhood and stuff, it was it's pretty ghetto. It's all it's all kind of like how you call it in Australia, housing commission, but it's it's um basically like the projects. And um, I've always wanted to move back up around that area, but I wanted to move into a little town that wasn't where my parents were and it wasn't where like all my family was, but it was just like a really close drive. But the problem is it's all so gentrified that like all the houses are so expensive. Like, you know, you're, you're talking like one to two million just for a, a regular house in the, you know, in the burbs. And um, this town that I wanted to buy a house in, like it's just so expensive. And I've, for the last 10 years, I'm like, one day I'm going to buy a house there. One day I'm going to get a house. And, um, the last like few months has just given me this opportunity of like knuckling down to brainstorm a new way. And I actually found like a little vacant property there. And I thought, what if I can get that? And then I could like transport an old house to this property and then makeshift something because I don't have a million dollars to get into the market there. But, um, yeah, after all this time, I finally yesterday found the place and, um, signed a contract oh, that's and, incredible. Um, and I'm getting okay. the place. I know. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot of work from here because I have to like put a house on it and everything, but, um, it, it was kind of a weird feeling cause I was having a drink last night and I was like, man, it's weird how I never put a time limit on it. And I never beat myself up about not hitting uh, that goal, yes. but it was always there. So, you know? and that just comes exactly. It, it's, there's so many different ways of, um, tackling, uh, like pro- out your, your creative or your, um, your productivity, your output in general. Uh, I've, had to learn, obviously, I guess I've been working out of my house as a 
you know, basically full-time wedding photographer for almost eight years now. Before that, I was still doing photography professionally, but I had uh, basically a nine-to-five office job as a photographer. I was shooting for this place called the National Press Club. I was their staff photographer. So I would basically be there at, at regular office hours covering whatever events they needed me to. But once I pivoted to being self-employed and working on my own at home, I really started to be kind of hyper aware of what conditions I need to set for myself to uh, maintain creative Mm. output. And for me, it is never um, a time-based thing. I I just, I do not operate well when I've got the the constraint of time against me. Uh, I use maybe just lists or notes of things that I need to chisel away at. And that works great for me. But, uh, you know, for a lot of people, uh, my girlfriend, her name is Nessa, Nessa Kay. She's also a wedding photographer. Hi, Nessa. She's, yeah, <laughs> she's somewhere probably in her office. She's the exact opposite. She really thrives when she has that constraint of time. Like, okay, I, by 10 o'clock today, I need to have XXX done on this list. And she does it. Uh, for me, it's, it's much, I need like more of a rubber bandy experience in the world to expand and contract based on my mood, my schedule. I hate having, um, like a finite schedule of things that I need to do. Um, I just, yeah, I'm unhappy when I operate that way. So anyway, we could probably talk about this specific thing for a long time. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on your goal. That's huge. Vanessa and I bought our house together about five years ago and it's been just one of the best things I've ever done in my life. I love owning a, a home where you can build it and make it your own. We didn't build from scratch, but we've done a lot of renovations, customization stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the first time in my life that I've felt like, okay, I finally might have a home, which is really cool. You know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited yeah, probably, about that. It's, it's surreal. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I think before Ness and I bought our home, uh, I had moved every year since graduating high school. Yeah. That's, so that's me right now. To like 29, every single year I was in a different place, which was good. You know, it's kind of exciting. I don't know about where you live. I I live in kind of a dense area, DC, Baltimore, Northern Virginia. There's literally three different sort of states uh, right next to each other that all kind of share a border. And so it was actually looking in hindsight, I didn't even realize it in the moment. It was a benefit to be floating around so much every single year, getting a new apartment or whatever, because it really gave me a feel for the area and where I was living and, and what would be ideal with where I would normally shoot weddings and where I'd normally need to meet clients and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know that um, until a couple of years into floating around. So anyway, mm. it's worked out. <laughs> That's awesome. So, hey, let's talk about um, education because, you know, I, I've actually been doing um, workshops since 2015. So workshops on creative education. My first workshop was actually with Ryan Muirhead, funny enough. Yeah, and that was 2015. And since then, I've been doing workshops um, all over the place. I've been talking at different places. But uh, since 2019, about mid-2019, I've decided to go basically full-time online with my my workshops. And at the moment, we're just launching like our full business workshop, which I'm really excited about. But I've noticed like there's a lot of there's a lot of workshops out there. There's a lot of um, a lot of information, which is really interesting because I remember when I started as a wedding photographer, there just wasn't these resources. And now there's so many resources at your fingertips and you can literally see people blowing up so quick because they've, they've got the cheat sheets and stuff. But let's talk about how to um, like online education, like why you believe in it and how we can navigate around finding the right people for it, for us, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, for me, it's always been uh, sort of tied to, okay, so who do you trust? For me, like I, I, the visual output of a photographer is is really what I tie it all to. I don't trust or wouldn't expect to invest anything in, in somebody who, you know, did good work at one time or doesn't anymore or does work, but it's not that good. But like they're really smart about some things like it all ties back for me to the the actual is this person a photographer that I like and would I consistently follow their work with or without the educational component attached and um so that was a really long, horrible way of putting it, <laughs> but it all ties back. No, it makes a lot of sense. I have a really strong belief that like anybody you invest money in at an in-person workshop, online workshop, whatever, they should be the, the educational content they're putting out should be a result, a byproduct of the work they're doing actively in their photography being hired by actual clients paying them because you know if they pivot too much into the workshop space where their motivation is all workshop and educational content not 
client work, then you have a mismatch of expectations there and you have a mismatch of, of reality. Like if at the end of the day, you want to learn how to be a good wedding photographer with a wedding photographer business, you need to be following somebody that is actively doing that. If you want to learn how to run a workshop and teach workshops, then you need to follow somebody who's, you know, where that is their, their, uh, North star. That is the, the driving target in what they do. Um, so anyway, at the end of the day, I, I tend to narrow it down to, do I like the photographer's creative output? If so, uh, okay, I'll start paying attention more to what they're flirting with in the educational sphere. And whenever, whenever like a particular topic you know, gets posted that they are alluding to in their education, like that will hook me in and I'll finally give it, give a deep dive. But yeah, if, if no matter how good the branding is, no matter how good their, uh, their text and their copy and all of that, uh, I, I try and ignore it all unless I really believe and trust their work as, as a creative, as an actual photographer. Uh, that isn't to say that I don't follow other, um, types of, of, creatives. I, I, um, Patreon is great because it kind of has an infrastructure for easily being able to back, uh, multiple creators. So I back musicians on there. I back, uh, illustrators and, uh, I try and bring in a lot of, uh, kind of educational influences from actually outside of what I do in wedding photography. There's a few other like portrait photographers, commercial photographers that I pay attention to and follow actively, but never really any wedding photographers. Totally. That's just cause that's sort of what what my, what my narrow focus is, but, um, yeah, yeah man, I, th I think for myself, like I, I a hundred percent believe in what you believe in. I think, um, for myself is like, when I look at myself as an educator, I don't see myself as a teacher. I am actually an entrepreneur that like, you know, has lots of businesses and I'm, and I'm doing all the things all the time. And so what I find is when I see myself doing these things, so if I'm there, like, um, like literally in there doing some marketing for my DJ company or for my photo booth company or for like whatever. And then I'm showing people like into my course going like, guys, watch this because I'm about to do a publicity stunt to attract attention for this business. And then I can show people. So then you become like you're the entrepreneur first, but you're showing people firsthand of what actually worked. Where's the results like? And I think that's really important. And I see so many people, um, they start out, they start out as like, educators but then when you look at the backtrack record it's like wait they haven't they've t they've attended a few workshops but they haven't actually or they're not in the trenches right now and then so how can that be reliable exactly. information That's, you need yeah i love that that picture you just blinked into my head you, you, you want to learn from somebody that's in the trenches <laughs> if not in that exact moment like recently <laughs> um because yeah it, it here's matters, another really good sure. example i was talking to um a friend of mine the other day and she is at university at the moment and she's studying marketing and digital marketing and she's just coming up to the end of her degree and she was showing me her end of year project she's working on she put together a marketing strategy and what was interesting was it was kind of in my field, but when I looked at it, I was, I could tell her right there that that strategy is three years old. It won't work. This one, it will work, but it was, it's a little bit slow. This one is so old that it's just like people don't even use that platform anymore. And I could go through it all and I could critique it and I could show her how to do it better. And I don't have a marketing degree, but I've tested all those things that she does. I test it every single day. So it's, it's different. Like if you go and it, it's the same, if you um, pay someone to do, you know, marketing, like they might have a degree in it, but it, unless they're doing it for themselves, like it's a whole different ball game, I think. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know. I'm sure I have peers and colleagues that have a degree in this type of stuff, but I don't know anybody that does. It wouldn't shock me if literally nobody has a degree in it. Yeah. Uh, degrees are a tricky thing. Uh, yeah. I majored in um, computer science and went straight into photography never again to use my like, computer. I, yeah. Computer. <laughs> right. <laughs> not, not quite, but now, you know, I haven't, I haven't programmed anything since, uh, since leaving university. It's crazy, but, um, you know, it did set me up well to pivot into other digital and, and computer related things and aspects of what I do, especially with my website. But yeah. yeah. Um, what about like, you know, recent times there's been a few educators that have come undone with, um, giving false hopes, telling things that are not true. And also the way that they advertise has been very, I guess, different to what we do, but it's from the outside aggressive. perspective. <laughs> it's, it's very aggressive, but it's yeah. also like a, um, you know, if you want to get traction on, on social media, um, one, one of the ways is like one of the big ways, if you really want to do this, great. Like Gary Vee does this great. So many people do it, but you turn your life into like a soap opera and, and then you create drama and, and like you can do all this kind of stuff and people love that. Um, 
And so I think some educators are doing things like that and they can have a message that's not quite on the same ethics as you or you don't feel right in the gut, but you see the results and you kind of want to go anyway. Like how do you feel about that kind of thing when you're looking for someone? You don't really feel right about it, but you're thinking like maybe they got the results that I want. Yeah, that's actually a really great question. I, I do feel that often where I see somebody else's tact and it, it's like, the opposite of everything I would ever believe in, but yet it, it does seem to drive really powerful, compelling results. Um, but mm. yeah, it's, it's such a tough, tough question for, for one, I, I'm shocked that more people don't, uh, employ an actual ethical statement on there. If you're selling, uh, educational content in particular, like you should have an ethics statement somewhere in, in mm -hmm. your, in your stuff. I have it on my, my Patreon profile. I literally wrote out an ethics statement. And even if you don't, care about like making something public like that, you should write something personally for yourself. Uh, just to sort of, if, if you know, somebody sat you down and asked you, what, what are you being ethical about here? What is your, your moral compass behind what you do? You should have already thought that through and not just be spitballing an answer, uh, off the cuff, like, mm -hmm. like literally write it down. And you know, uh, people that come across your work, uh, through something you've posted or through maybe a word of mouth referral or something like that, which I'm a big believer of the vast majority of my my educational uh clients or photographers that follow me uh come through me word of mouth when they see uh, totally. kind of that ethics statement or you know little pepperings of you know you just doing what you think is right because you feel it uh in your bones uh and and you know that resonates with people they they become like long-term deep uh supporters of yours not just flash in the pan mm. i'm going to give you know sam a couple hundred bucks for this one thing and then jump out and go do my own thing like they they believe in you a uh, long term and i know you mentioned you want to talk about sustainability a bit which is something i've always had uh in as like a big mm, driving force in my business plan from day one as a photographer like how can i do this over the long arc not just like a huge exponential growth and then you know falling off a cliff after that and then done yeah, and then done right mm. like i really believe in it being like a long sustainable thing um anyway uh so yeah the, at the end of the day just like practicing I don't, I, I should probably take a proper, uh, workshop on ethics at some point. <laughs> I think the last time would have been like a philosophy class in, in college. But, um, the reason I was motivated to like, think about uh, like my ethical approach to education and writing an actual ethics statement was because I follow, um, a tech blogger or a tech tech analyst commentator. His name is Ben Thompson. He has a fantastic, absolutely amazing blog called Stratechery and a podcast called Exponent. And uh, he's a Harvard Business School grad that, uh, you know, basically moved to uh, Taiwan to teach English 10 years ago and uh, always loved the technology industry, Apple, Microsoft, how technology was influencing society and uh, just started blogging about it basically and turned his blog into um, essentially a subscription newsletter. And now sort of functions as a single standalone reporter on the tech industry. And uh, some of the stuff is opinionated, yes, but a lot of it's just presenting facts in a really digestible, compelling way. And, you know, when I was diving through a lot of his backend stuff, like the deeper sort of formative posts of his business, because he's been doing it about 10 years now, uh, I found that, you know, there was just a huge ethical foundation to everything he was doing, including an ethics statement. And that really resonated with me and, and kind of drove me in that direction. So anyway, you know, this is a, another example of diversifying, staying outside of your own actual industry for influence. And, um, you know, the more you can do that, I think the better, as long as you don't lose sight too much of, you know, I, I actually did fall into a trap of like, huh, maybe I should be a tech commentator. I love technology too. I love Ben's <laughs> stuff, but you know, that's not what I do. Even if it is like a really cool hobby, I have a ton of hobbies, but you really need to be honest with yourself about what could actually convert into a, a paying business. <laughs> for me, that's always yeah. photography for whatever reason. Yeah. I think honesty and transparency is really good with um, with education as well. Um, I think if you're giving people, um, if if some if something's screaming out like it's too good to be true, that's like I think your alarm bell should be going off. And I think if you do Absolutely. go into something and someone just tells you do exactly what I do and you're going to get the same results, I think that should be alarm bells. Yes. Um, so one thing is like, so with, with the way that I educate, um, I used to have a cafe and I went bankrupt when I was 20 and then I've had an electrical company and I've had all these businesses along the way, some successful, wow. some not so successful. Mm -hmm. 
And one thing was when I came into the wedding space in 2015, it's just how much people didn't understand business um, and how creative I think business is. I think it's the most creative thing that you can do, you know, it's the same as photography, like it's just creative outlet. Um, so whenever someone comes in to like learn from me, it's all about, um, so this is what worked for me, but it's not going to work for you because you're going to dilute stuff. What you need to do is like, if you can think for yourself and, you know, brainstorm, you're, you're allowed to brainstorm all these different ways. So if you give people tools to actually work out how they can create something that's remarkable for themselves, then it's going to be, you know, game changer. And I think a lot of people don't stress that enough of like, how can you actually empower people with the tools that they need, the, the foundations that they need to build the home, to build the empire or build whatever, you know, lifestyle that they want. Yeah, and I think when you're looking around, it doesn't matter um, if you're a photographer or if you're uh, any creative entrepreneur. Um, if you're looking around at educators, you really do need to have that gut feeling as well. Like that, I feel like this person is in line with what I want and I feel like they're going to teach me the right way. And I think that's really important. I actually joined up a workshop um, this year and it was – it was a big investment. It was about ten thousand US dollars, and um, but the thing was like, and it was a group of girls, and I, I really like for myself. I love um, learning. I love learning off women um, more so than men. That's just my my personal preference. And um, yeah, these girls are so inspiring. What they were doing, I was like, they're not just telling me that it's you know, he, he jump in this course. I'm going to give you the tips and tricks, and you're going to be able to replicate. It was like give me the foundations of what I needed to work on myself to get to that next level. And I was like, that's what, you know, that, I mean, that's worth, if I can just, you know, improve a tiny bit, that's worth 10 grand to me. And that's how I see that, you know? Yeah. Um, it feels but, like they, yeah. they literally framed kind of aligned a pathway for you, a potential pathway that, mm. you know, you're able to now have some, maybe some focus or some direction, uh, to, to make, you know, build your own, uh, sort of route through, I don't know. That's, that's, that's really great. I'm glad that worked out for you. I love the, um, the fact that, you know, I do, it's kind of strange. I feel like oftentimes I, people can be very siloed on the internet with what they expose themselves to. And I do feel like there are entire other aspects of the wedding industry that I just have no, they're just not on my radar at all. There are entire, mm. there's a, actually a DC or Virginia area, uh, woman named Natalie Frank, who started something called rising tide, which I have no idea how the, um, the, the ratio between men and women are in that, but from everything I can see in their marketing, it does seem to be majority women involved in that. And it's uh, the only reason I even know about it is because I knew Natalie personally through being a wedding photographer in my actual region, my physical geography. Uh, but it's crazy. It's so fascinating to me that this entire huge network of rising tide, which is a giant community. I don't know. I mean, they have hundreds mm. of thousands of people involved with what they do. And, but like, it's its own thing. And, and anyway, uh, it's, it's fascinating to me that kind of, um, it's, it's really women and, and female driven. And, uh, I wonder what, uh, why that is. And it, it, it piques my curiosity in a way. I don't see a lot of like massive groups of men. Uh, I do see a lot of men like standalone men, uh, at conferences, you know, you have like a lineup of 10 speakers, the vast majority of them tend to be men, but a lot of the drivers and leaders of these kind of organic grassroots communities all seem to be sort of female focused, which I find very interesting. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why that yeah, is. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it's really that. good because yeah. I think business has been very male dominated for so long, and um, I already know the perspective that males give, and I and I feel like like business has been so it's one sided forever, which means like it just doesn't make the whole, it it doesn't make it a whole. You know, there's so much more yeah. that um, we need to learn about business, and we're only just learning it now because in the last like you know short amount of time, fifty years or so, like it's been more females in the workplace and it's been it's it means we can grow so much quicker and and so much better and so many more things can flourish from it so i think that's why i'm like keen to jump in and and i'm learning so much um from from females in business because like man they've got some stuff like you know i've already i've heard guys harping on forever and like now i'm like getting new perspectives i'm learning i'm learning so much so oh, i love yeah. it 
Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely fantastic. And and I'd be the first to admit that there's, I think I struggle with the emotional connection that, I mean, you may get a sense of me and my mm, intentions and, and what, I, what I'm doing in my voice and the content that I put out. You may get a sense of it, but I always feel a constant struggle to relate emotionally, like what I'm trying to connect and what I'm trying to get across um, in like the actual content and then the promotion of that content. It's a huge struggle for me. And uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that is, except that, you know, I seem to see a lot of females really excel at that, like almost effortlessly, uh, like, and, and have actual great practical content to back, back that up. But like, they're just able to tap in, uh, you know, not all women, obviously everyone's different, but like certain women that I follow, especially are really able to tap into that emotional thread, um, genuinely and, and organically. And it's just, it's amazing. I'm envious of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Superpowers. Um, let's talk about a sustainable business because, um, like for myself, I have a whole bunch of businesses. And when I started my wedding photography business, I, I really did play the long game. Like I, I'm, I'm here for a long time. I've been around since 2013 and, I, and I've like steadily have grown my business since then. Uh, with my education since 2015, I'm steadily growing it. And, um, and from the outside, for a lot of people, it looks like it grows fast, but man, like, everything's a long game for me. I don't mind doing this for free because tomorrow it's going to do something. I don't mind doing this tomorrow because next year it's going to help, you know, along the way or like whatever it is. Or I don't mind investing 10 grand into myself because my business is going to pay for itself. It just keeps growing and growing. Um, yeah. Like tell me like to you, like what does a sustainable business look like? And, and what kind of things would you like with your mind, mindset, what kind of things would you be shifting your mindset towards if you're really thinking about playing the long game and having a sustainable business? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> My, yeah. yeah. It's so I would kind of give you two different answers based on whether you're talking about my, my educational business versus, uh, my wedding photography business. Um, mm -hmm. and with what, you know, as a wedding photographer, they're kind of completely separate things. I mean, what I do in my wedding photography informs and, and drives everything that I do in my educational stuff. But as a wedding photographer, you know, that there is an expiration date, uh, to that, like both because of, you know, physical aspects, uh, it's very demanding physically. I'm not going to be able to shoot a full eight plus hour wedding, you know, when I'm 60 something years old, there's, a uh, the, the optics of a 60 year old shooting your wedding, like maybe a lot of 20, 30 year old couples. That's just not really interesting to them. Like there's all kinds of reasons that there's sort of an expiration date to what you do as a wedding photographer. And so you kind of need to think of your business in a way that it can, uh, grow beyond you in terms of, uh, having associate photographers or people that, uh, you know, you hire maybe underneath your umbrella that kind of can do a lot of the the work as you either have kids and become uh, more time constrained or again, get older, or maybe there's some physical thing that happens even earlier in life, who knows? There's just a lot of variables that go into being wife. So my plan in the beginning was make it as hard as I possibly could when I was best positioned to manage it. So when I was like 24 or something like that is when I shot my first wedding, 25 maybe, um, that first season, I think I shot maybe 10 weddings, very cheap, not, not free, but very, very cheap. By the next year I was shooting 30, 40 weddings. And then I think I peaked shooting about 55 weddings in a year, completely by myself, all editing, all absolutely everything in the, in the job was done by me unless I hired a second shooter on the day. And so I really wanted to just push my limits and see where my breaking point could be, uh, as fast as I can. And then dial it back from there and uh, being very cautious of at least as the the finances improved and as the money started flowing more not um living beyond my means to where i was now beholden to 55 plus weddings a year to survive at whatever house i you know is living am living in or however many cars that i own or what have you um that was always very important to me like okay yes if if you start to ramp things up and take on more work and and you know your style is compelling. People are hiring you. Like you're really pushing yourself to your breaking point. Do not also push your finances finances there as well. You need to make sure that you've got um, either starting to diversify your revenue streams as a wedding photographer, or uh, some other aspect of your finances that provide a, a large amount of buffer. Because that's exactly what happened. After about six years of shooting, I started to taper back the number, the volume of weddings, down to like 35 or so. And after shooting 55 weddings in a season. 35 seems like a walk in the park. This is awesome. Yeah, I can totally. 35 yeah, yeah. For another 10 years. This is great. Mm. Um, 
but as now I've dialed back uh, my wedding work by about 20 or so weddings a season, uh, I dialed up um, my educational stuff. Doing I did about, uh, from, I don't know, 2013 to 2018, did about 60 in-person workshops all, all over the world. And that was before I even had an eye on online stuff, mostly because of the, the tools to build an online thing just they were sort of there but it was way too cumbersome i didn't have the time or the money to to deal with it but right around 2016 2017 i started tapering back my in-person workshops and pivoting toward online stuff using patreon and it's all kind of like you know flowed and and worked really really well and uh, yeah that's we can talk i know you don't use patreon for your educational platform but that has informed a huge part of how how i slow drip basically um my educational content. It's not just boom, here's all the stuff downloaded, or, you know, here's a discrete product. Like here's my pricing guide download, buy this for a hundred bucks. It's just flat subscription. You get access to everything that's ever been posted. And then anything from then on as you're an active subscriber. Um, and that structure on Patreon, uh, has really been a great model for me. Like basically people vote with their dollars. If I see a, a couple days of more patrons than usual, uh, leaving and, and, you know, deciding to, to not renew their pledge, I ramp up the content that really motivates me to, okay. Uh, obviously the market is speaking to me now. I need to make either higher quality stuff or more volume <laughs> of content mm. Gen- generally has to do with, uh, quality, not volume. Um, and then if I get more patrons, uh, pledging than usual, uh, I can ease up the brakes a little bit and take some time to, to relax and unplug or start researching other things that I, I haven't had time for previously. It's been a really great, um, you mentioned earlier, the, the keyword transparency, uh, one thing unique to Patreon, if you want, you can have the active number of patrons visible to the public, the active number of people pledged. Uh, you can also have the active, um, earnings per month, uh, visible. I don't have that just cause that has a lot of different aspects to it. But, uh, basically if you have, uh, various tiers on your Patreon page, um, it can totally skew the, the number of <laughs> the amount that you're in every month from one month to the next. So I keep that turned off because mm-hmm. I have a huge Delta between my baseline Patreon, which is only 10 bucks a month. And then, uh, my top tier, which is a thousand dollars a month. <laughs> um, there's a huge, so like, obviously as people come and go from that thousand dollar tier, my, my finances swing heavily. So I just keep the mm-hmm. finances invisible, but you can see the number of active people pledged. And, uh, anyway, I just think that's a fantastic, transparent, sort of uh layer of accountability for me to deliver totally anyway yeah there's a lot there's actually yeah there's there's a podcast of this education educator he's a creative entrepreneur educator um i can't remember the name of his podcast but i listen to it quite a lot and he um he does a monthly review on how much he earns and it's really really interesting because he literally every month he has his accountant come in and they do a little breakdown and um yeah, they talk about like what went right this month, what went wrong, like how coronavirus hit, um, how much his expenses were. <laughs> yeah, like all, coronavirus all is going to throw us all for a loop. No matter what anybody says about anything, I swear it's like a one day to the next situation. <laughs> but that's really an amazing layer of transparency. The closest I've mm. come to that is, uh, uh, you know, not a monthly review, but in my full day workshop that I did, you know, forever in person, uh, and now it's been remade for for my uh, online workshop through patreon uh, i do have like kind of a an annual this is these this is my tax these are my tax returns here's my profit and loss sheet like let's dive in and totally. take a look and uh that is a really- I, I think that's really good if you're teaching business i think like that's a good way of showing it like i do that i do that as well it's like if you want to see how many weddings i shoot how much i actually charge like i have all my prices i show everyone all my prices and yeah. you know yeah. yeah, I think I think it's really important. Like, if you're being transparent and you've got a business and you're and you're teaching people the dream, like I know some educators, they say we're making millions um, and buying a house. When you find out they're not even doing that, they're renting a house and they're not making any money. <laughs> uh, Dude, that's where uh, there's you know kind of like a, a a virus, for lack of another term, that that kind of spreads through a lot of business uh, advice, which is like fake it till you make it. You know, and often mm. people don't even say it that bluntly anymore. It's more subtle in its in its uh, pervasiveness, and I, I hate that notion. Uh, fake it till you make it. Like if if somebody is paying me, 
$10,000 to take my workshop, I better have already made it, <laughs> right? Uh, I, you can't, you, the trap that you don't want to fall into with maybe somebody like uh, in the wedding world, like the Hans uh, were recently sort of called out for, for something related to this where they, they actually were saying, hey, we have a business of making millions of dollars a year doing wedding photography. So pay us thousands of dollars to come to our workshop. But what's happening is their thousands of dollars from workshop attendees was actually what was enabling their extremely, you know, high end, whatever lifestyle wasn't their wedding photography business. It was people paying uh, them for the lie of, of, a you know, some, some business that didn't actually exist. I mean, they did have a wedding photography business, but it wasn't making nearly as much. So it was like this huge marketing fake it till you make it trap that they fell into probably knowingly uh, that ended up just being a mm -hmm. huge sort of manipulation game. Which it, is, it creates a lot of false hope because like if yes. I signed up to a course and I was like, all right, so this person actually got these results from, you know, taking these steps and I'm looking at them going like, this is it. And then I find out like, it's not at all, you know, then I'm like, everything I just learned, like, it, was that even worth it? Is it, is yeah. it all true? Like, it undermines anything you ever hear from that person ever again. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing at the end of the day is the, the internet feels like it's leveled the playing field for sure. And it has in a lot of ways, like you and I are having a podcast now, uh, you know, across the world from one another, like you feel yeah. so connected, like, like we have the shared sense of reality, <laughs> but it's not true at all. Your market is going to react very differently. Boots on the ground, you in the trenches, uh, what works in an Australian market or an Irish market or an Italian market is going to be totally, not totally, but in many ways different than what's going to work in my market, Washington, DC, uh, different standards of living, different, uh, cultural celebrations and ways that people approach just living is different mm -hmm. no matter how similar and, and how much you can connect to it through the internet. It's not the same as real physical life. <laughs> and that gets lost on a lot of people. I think they, they see somebody else doing exceptionally well using some strategy or whatever that even if it did uh, ethically faithfully work for that person teaching their methods, it's unlikely to work for you as the, uh, as a consumer. So anyway, you, you know what, what a lot of people don't realize is, um, like if I just say I do a really successful webinar, I've actually, um, I've got a free workshop happening on Mon on Monday, which is, which is t today. If you're listening, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think I've got like two and a half thousand people signed up to this workshop. Right. Um, and, and, and yeah, and just say like an educator, just say an educator goes like contacts me, which is, this has happened. Like, I think I've had like three or four educators contact me, like, how are you doing it? Um, how are you getting that, you know, that many people showing up or that success or whatever. But what people don't realize, it's not the webinar, it's the person behind it. It's not the tech, it's the person behind it. It's not the marketing, it's the person behind it. And with your wedding photography business, like you can do all the strategies, all the things that someone teaches you, but it's not the camera, it's the person behind it. And I think a lot of people don't realize the first thing you got to work on is yourself because what you're bringing to the world is the remarkable thing that people are going to sign up to. It's the remarkable thing that people are going to pay $10,000 for you to shoot their wedding or whatever it is. It's not all the strategies that you learn. It's not anything else. And I think that is so important. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, you, you hit it nail on the head. Yes. <laughs> uh, absolutely. That's, you know, the photographers that I most admire, um, it, it, tends to be, uh, like you said, the person behind the camera that I really resonate with the most. And I seek out, you know, totally. a, a deeper connection with that actual human. I mean, you mentioned, uh, Ryan Muirhead and he's one of my, mm. my closest friends. Uh, I talk to him almost daily and he's, uh, such a, first of all, incredibly smart human being, but just such a fantastic perspective on many ways, many, many aspects of the human existence. And I, I, draw from that something, I, don't, I can't even quantifiably say what it is, something of that translates into me as a person and my actual output as a photographer, even though, as, as you know, Ryan, Ryan's work can't be really compared to my work. We do just totally separate things. Uh, but, you know, just as an individual, he does really great stuff. And another photographer I could say that, you know, about is uh, Jeff Newsom. Uh, he's a photographer who, uh, you know, obviously visually I, I caught his work and loved it and thought it was great, but more as a person uh, getting to know him was what really won me over. And, you know, I just, I would pay him any amount of money to learn anything and hear anything he has to say, because I just connect so much with who he is as an individual. Yeah. 
I, I guess like also what, like where I wanted to go with that um, because I realized I didn't really kind of finish it is like you can you can sign up to Sam Hurd's um, Patreon. You can learn all these strategies and everything else, but you're never going to become Sam Hurd. And I think what people dilute themselves with is they think, uh, and when I do like mentoring sessions, people come to me and they show me their Instagram saying, should I get rid of this and do it like yours? And I think they lose their unique um, superpower that they actually bring to the world because they see something else working for someone else and they try and replicate it, if that makes sense. And then and then they lose that spark. Then they lose the actual thing that was actually going for them, like the actual thing that made them so remarkable that I would actually follow their stuff. And now that they've changed it to look like mine, I no longer am interested. <laughs> exactly. So I think it's, you know, it's important to kind of take uh, bits and bobs from a variety of people like you have to diversify your influences but and and also not lose sight of yourself that should be your greatest influence is, is yourself uh like mm. and then and then mix it all together like if you find the the sense that you're becoming hyper focused or obsessed with one person's approach to doing something that that's a red flag for you you need to for even if you have to force yourself using some artificial whatever to to stop consuming obsessively that person's content. Like you need to mm. diversify your exposure to, to all the various inspirations that exist in the world. I mean, there's practically an infinite number and more importantly, I think than, than just finding a diversified, uh, set of creators you admire, like finding people outside of your own industry is, is just as important as anything else. A lot of industries do things similarly to, uh, you know, what you might do as a wedding photographer, for example, filmmakers, totally. actual like Hollywood filmmakers that there's a lot of overlap in the way that they think and operate to, uh, still photographers. It's not all the same, but there's just enough difference in either terminology or, um, sort of the pipeline and workflow that they, uh, process their imagery and all that kind of stuff, uh, is just different enough that you can take little things from people in that industry and bring it to the wedding, uh, industry in kind of a new way, a new perspective that, uh, you know, motivates and, connects with people in a way that maybe they hadn't heard or experienced before. So that that's at the end of the day, it's just got to diversify uh, your influences and your strategies so that exactly. You're not just a clone of Sam Hurd or a clone of, of anybody, you know? Yeah. And I also think, um, we were just talking about this before was like, as educators, you got to be careful of who you get an influence by or whose content you're consuming too much. And, um, because it's the same thing, like as an educator, you bring in your own real, real life stuff to the table, not strategies that people teach. And um, I guess one thing was really interesting is I've done a lot of circuits in, in terms of um, conferences and things like that. And then you sit there in the back of a workshop or a different conference and you listen to everyone speak. And sometimes you hear the same thing over and over. And after like two years of doing that, you're like, man, I can say the same thing. Like, um, price what you're worth. I've heard that talk like 50 trillion times and, <laughs> and so many, but I'm like, th these actual strategies or people just learn, like they're influenced by each other. Then they, and then they think this is the thing you need to teach. And then they, and then their education gets so diluted because there's no longer the stuff that you're learning in the trench. It's like, Oh my God, this marketing thing just worked. No one's doing it. Let's, let's bring it to the, to the world and show people. Um, it's no, it's no longer that spark. Is it like that amazing thing? So um, I know for myself, like, um, I, I'm so into business. I love business. And, and like, so each week I'm reading, um, business books. I consume, you know, audio, audio, you specifically, <laughs> I'm the, 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 the dot com. uh, 100%, you will want to consume everything Ben Thompson has to say about business and, uh, tech businesses in general, but he has commentary and it's all coming through his, his filter of going to business school. And it's just absolutely fantastic. You will love it if you read books and consume any type of business uh, or entrepreneurial advice. And uh, anyway, oh, sorry, awesome. just wanted to plug. No, 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 that, that's it. It's just like, um, yeah, I guess just like where, where my influences come from or where I'm consuming so I can teach the right thing, which is, which is not like regurgitated from the people that I've taught alongside of. You know, I'm always making sure I can bring something, a different perspective. Yeah. And, and also as perspective in the sense of, I also don't believe with education, you should tell people how to do something in a sense. Um, I think one, there was one um, person at a conference that I taught at and actually two, two conferences, two separate conferences, same person each time. And they taught something that really like I was, it rubbed me up the wrong way. Um, and it was basically 
they came out on stage both times and they said, if you don't have a big Instagram following, you're not going to be successful. And then they just started saying all this stuff and it just induced so much anxiety into everybody. And then they said, these are the things you have to do, which was very tacky, like, you know, Instagram bot kind of style stuff. Oh, no. Oh, my God, man. And I was at the back of this room and I was like, I feel bad for all the people sitting here thinking this is what you have to do. And this is where anxiety comes from. Like, this is the wrong stuff. Like, you know, and then like, it might've worked for that one person, but like, yeah, man, it, people I, struggle with, with Instagram as it is. Audience using bots, like they're just operating in their own, like invisible echo chambers of, of nothingness. These are not real. Mm. And you lose sight of the actual legitimate people that did decide to follow you. You, you've completely ruined any type of metric of being able to feel out what's actually working and what's not. If you've, if you've pumped up your Instagram following to like 20,000 people, maybe 500 of them are real, but you have no idea uh, how to track that. Mm. Like, there's no way. It, it is so much better to have 500 real people. And think about five, if you've got 500 followers on Instagram, that's 500 people. Like you Absolutely. don't need 20,000 people, 500 no. people. That's a good Instagram yeah. following. Uh, and there's, there's so much of that that exists. You're, you're exactly right. And it is funny to see like time and time, like going from the same conference one year to the next, you do see new speakers echo a lot of what speakers before them said. And it's like, mm-hmm. where did that start? And then where did the person before them start? Like, yeah, exactly. Is this coming from the trenches? And if it is, are these the trenches 10 years ago or are these the trenches mm-hmm. now? Is this what actually works now? Uh, it's, it's lost on a lot of people. It's so different, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's constantly changing. It's, it's crazy to see. Uh, I myself struggle with keeping like a good pulse on what is actually, uh, you know, on the upswing now, like where, where is the, the influx occurring? Uh, it seems like in-person conferences, in-person workshops are definitely a bit on the back burner. And it is like you mentioned at the start of this, all pivoting sort of online. I'm sure that has been massively accelerated due to the, due to COVID and everything. Of course, uh, everything uh, in the tech industry has been accelerated. Uh, is already sort of heading down certain paths and now we're just like 10 Xing it <laughs> based on, yeah. you know, a, a freaking virus who, who could have predicted that. But, um, Anyway, yeah, I, I I can't remember if we've gone through the entire <laughs> uh, kind of bullet point list of what you wanted to discuss. Yeah, we but. did. We did, actually. And um, I want to just have a just a quick moment to give you a bit of a shout out. Um, Sam, if you guys don't know, has a podcast, um, the Epic Podcast. He's got a Patreon. You should go over and check that out. You should check out his socials. You should jump into his DMs and say hi and share this podcast and let him know that you heard it. And um Sam, thank you so much. Seriously, um, I feel like you're someone that I'm going to connect with a lot over the years, and I just want to um, say thank you for um, saying yes to this podcast, listening. I mean, talking to my audience, giving them so much value and a new perspective. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I guess now, do you start your day? I can't. I'm trying to imagine. Where I'm just you are. about this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just about to start my day. I'm just having my coffee. Nice. I'm about to have dinner, so I'm going to go wrap up my day now. <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks Thank you so much time. for talking to me. Yeah, thanks. Take care. I knew that would be a great podcast episode today. I'm so stoked that Sam got to have a chat to my audience and um, and spread so much value. Guys, if you haven't yet jumped over to the Apple Podcast app and left us a review, like please do. I love going through and reading all the reviews and seeing everybody sharing the love. Um, And if you want to say hi, jump over to my Instagram, which is jialong.co. You can always go into the DMs if you want to ask me any questions. Other than that, my six-figure business map course is actually um, open for enrollment this week. It's only open a couple of times a year and it's this week. So if you are interested in that and you want to step up your business game with your wedding photography business, jump over to my website, jialong.co, and you'll be able to find it there. And um, other than that, guys, have a really good week and I can't wait to talk to you next week. Spread the love and create opportunities for the people around you. Make Your Break is brought to you by Jai Long and produced at our in-house studio, Free the Bird Productions. We love creating opportunities for you and hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more information on this podcast, our online courses, products, workshops, or just want to say hi, we're here for you at jilong.co.